Welcome to the FTF Exchange Podcast. This is Maureen Lowe, founder and president of FTF. In this podcast series, we speak with industry professionals from leading financial and technology firms in capital markets. We will discuss an array of topics from current events to the latest fintech updates to human interest stories from time to time. Through these discussions, we strive to foster thought leadership and information sharing, and we certainly welcome comments and feedback for future episodes. Hello again, and thank you for tuning into this edition of the FTF Exchange podcast series from FTF and FTF News. Today, I have as my guest, Roy Kirby, Head of Core Products at SIX. SIX is a provider of financial data and services for the financial services industry. The company offers core reference data about securities, prices, corporate events, tax, and regulatory data. It is also known for its flagship indices and bespoke benchmarks. Earlier this year, SIX won the Best Data Provider Award in the FTF News Technology Innovation Awards. The Best Data Provider Award honors the company that offers the most comprehensive global coverage in a timely manner and with a user-friendly consolidated view. The winner in this category was seen by the voters to have a complete offering that lowers operational risks for clients. For this podcast, we will talk with Roy about the rising cost of data for securities trading firms. Yeah, hi. Uh, thanks, Eugene. So, yes, Roy Kirby from Six Group. As Eugene said, I work in our financial information business, which is a global business. And I'm the head of a team of product managers who are specifically responsible for corporate actions, financial reference data, and market data and pricing be that end-of-day pricing or real-time pricing. And I also look after our desktop product, which is known as 6ID. Uh, I've now worked at 6 for about seven years um, in a global role, and I'm very pleased to be speaking to you today. You have noted that the cost of data is exploding for securities firms. Why is this happening? I think there are a a variety of reasons. Um, I think one of them is... Um, I would say that now we're back in an inflationary environment. I think that some um, larger companies are possibly linked or locked into software platforms that are also provided by data providers. And some of those data providers are are maybe taking advantage of the inflationary environment to uh, pass on some very large yearly increases to um, the end customer. That's one thing. I think the second thing is that um, the regulatory landscape that we live in in the financial world is still very fragmented. The regulations across the globe are asking for very similar data, but in slightly different ways, and and sometimes overcomplicating and overlapping data points are needed. And I think the way that financial institutions tend to run regulatory projects on a project-based basis is um, increasing um, their cost base on a year-on-year basis. Mm-hmm. So, so how can firms streamline their data management costs and, and find opportunities that, that maximize their data budgets? I think one thing they can continue to do is to, to investigate internally Uh, and look across projects for common standards and common data linkages. So to look at those uh, 
regulatory projects that they're running and see how they can link them together rather than run them as um, separate siloed projects. So if I, if I give an example of that, I'd look at the regulatory changes that we're seeing at the moment around ESG data, around even crypto regulation that's coming in, and think about how they can how they can look at that holistically in terms of what they really want to do regulation wise, which is to look at investor protection and to see how a lot of these things can link together, how they could look at, for example, how they um, bring in fund data into the company and link that to some of the regulations so that they just take the data in once and use it for a number of um, regulatory use cases. I think that's one way that they can start to cut costs. And the, the other way is a, a very traditional way to cut costs, and that's to, to really look at your data management platforms. Um, look at them and think how you can how you can maybe split your data management platform from your data provider. Because if you lock yourself in too much, the data provider might increase their costs over time. Mm-hmm. So it's a matter of finding the right technology to help you distribute the data once it comes in. And that that technology is available. I was immediately thinking of application programming interfaces and and some other other ways to to distribute uh, data efficiently and to maximize budgets. So there's also another aspect for data management, and that's like visualization. So how would you describe the level of quality for data visualization right now? Yeah, I, I like your point on the API because I think that's very important going forwards. But back back to the question on visualization, I think the level of data quality is very good. I think, though, that probably um, visualization in our industry is not at the heart of what people do at the moment. So I think many displays have not kept up with our customers and the way that we use data. So I think the data quality on the whole is good. I think it's the way we visualize data that probably needs some work. How can visualizing data help firms better understand and control their data usage? If I give one example, um, people in in software companies often talk about you know machine learning or artificial intelligence to to deal with large data sets. But I would say look at yourself and the way that you visualize things at the moment. If I just give one example, um, let's put two data sets together, two data sets that I look after, and that's price history, so the way that an equity has moved, and corporate actions, and the way that splits happen or dividends occur. Think of the way that you can overlay corporate actions onto price history And by simply doing that for one equity over time, how much your brain can can visualize and can look at, oh, there was a corporate action, the price moved. Your brain can do that because it's trained to look at things and to get these results quite quickly. Now, if you can visualize data in that way and get some of this visualization to work, Once you've got that to work, getting a young programmer to look at it and then put it into a data model or an AI model or a machine learning model is much easier. But I don't think we've done that enough in our industry at the moment. It happens a lot 
in front end trading, but doesn't happen throughout the value chain of financial data. Could you drill down a little bit uh, on how data visualization appeals to younger staff members and what that might mean for firms that are looking to fill vacancies in, in operations? Yeah, I, I can. If I just sort of tell a story, I think it's a story that many of us have got, and that's the way that younger generations learn. So younger generations, yes, they do sometimes learn from, from books. They do sometimes learn from uh, reading, but they often learn from uh, YouTube videos or pictures or demonstrations of the way that something works. And I think as operation staff or programmers come into our organizations, I think if they can get a feel for the end value that you're trying to give your end customers through visualization, I think it really excites them a little bit more because they are, these days people are much more visual than in, um, can I say, even in my, my older generation. I think it's people have grown up with this new style of learning and if you can if you can do that with financial information, I think you will onboard those staff more easily and excite them a bit more quickly about something that can, let's face it, be a very dry area for people who are, who don't know it coming into the industry. And just to just to kind of uh, underscore what you've said, sometimes uh, visuals uh, images, tell the story better than than a lot of uh, verbiage. And I think that's the key, right? Yep. To, to unlocking things and finding efficiencies. What what are some of the essential steps that, that a firm needs to, to, to take to transform an operations effort from a data-heavy cost center to a potential revenue opportunity? Yes, let's take that corporate actions example again. Um, Let's take most financial institutions at the moment probably run their corporate actions processing as a as a team of people who are targeted on probably figures like how many corporate actions they process in a month or how many uh, failed trades they don't get in a month. Right. And it's all very much on numbers and turnover. Just, just think, if you will, that you could turn that corporate actions uh, processing department and, and give them a different metric to measure themselves against. And the metric, I would say, is probably a front office metric. So if you look at a relationship manager in uh, a wealth management firm, they really need a reason to call their customer. They add value to the relationship by talking to customers. So instead of your corporate actions department focusing on, you know, turnover of corporate actions, why not give them a metric where they can say through visualization of a portfolio, here are the things in, for example, Mr. Kirby's portfolio. Uh, There are two events this week. So there's two reasons for you as a relationship manager to call that end customer simply by changing the metrics that you're going to uh, measure that department on, you've you've focused them on something that's value-add to you as a firm, which is the relationship between your relationship manager and the end customer. Uh, Switching gears a little bit, uh, what what regulatory initiatives may help firms uh, switch cost centers into revenue generators? 
the biggest one that I can that I can think of uh, around regulation is re- really around um, the ESG topic. So the the ESG topic really at the moment I think the regulation is starting to come in, uh, but it it's driven by um, investor demand. Regulation in the past has always focused on sometimes what you cannot do. So lists of things you cannot do. Lists of what I would call hard regulations or hard sanctions, why you should not deal with somebody, why you should not do something. I think with what we're seeing with ESG at the moment is that's turning into what I would class as softer sanctions or softer regulations where you as a a financial institution might come up with sort of good company lists, you know, things things that um, you, again, should be speaking to your customers about that are around, around the regulation, but more, you know, plays on people's, I think, behaviours and their feelings and actually gets them to think about the, the way they invest, not as a, a regulation, something we shouldn't do, but as in a soft sanction or soft regulation in in terms of the things I might want to do, the things I might want to influence. I think that's what we're seeing uh, change a little bit in the uh, in the industry at the moment. So so we're sort of at, at an interesting point, right, where where we're, firms are, are struggling with the costs of data uh, and then they have to figure out ways to, to, to maximize their, their data investments. And then uh, some difficult, well, challenging steps to transform uh, their data efforts in, into something that could uh, generate revenues and maybe even help the bottom line. Yeah, yeah, I think I think we are, and I I think um, I think it, it, the data is there. To your point, is is the data quality there? I think it is. I think in many ways you touched on it through your questioning. Think about your end customer and what you want to visualize in their mind. You probably want to visualize to them that they should be doing business with you and speaking to you more. So tell them about things that they might be doing or should be doing where the data that you've got in your databases matches with what they might want to do in the short term or long term with their investments. Okay, great. Great. I'm really glad we got a chance to speak. Thank you. And thank you. Well, we hope you enjoyed this episode of the FTF Exchange podcast. If you would like a turn in the hot seat, reach out to us at info at ftfnews.com and let us know what capital markets topics you'd like to discuss. Also, be sure to sign up to receive our email alert so you don't miss out on listening to future episodes. Just visit ftfnews.com and click the sign up link at the top of the page. Thanks again for listening to the FTF Exchange podcast. 